It's summertime and the gaming is easy. Trailers are jumping, expectations are high, so hush game babies and don't you start to cry. Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. This week we're talking about all the video game news of the past week with announcements from Summer Game Fest, Xbox's big press conference, and much more. So many trailers, so little time. Let's get into it. I'm Kirk Hamilton. I'm Maddie Myers. And I'm Jason Shire. Hello. 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 Good Hello, morning. Here we are. <laughs> yes. It is very early in the morning for me and Jason. It is. It is coming so, at you from a hotel room in Los Angeles. Yeah. JW right. Marriott in downtown <laughs> Los Angeles, which okay. is hilariously also the place where all of Xbox is staying. So like every time you go in the elevator, you just see people in Xbox jackets just just watching. <laughs> they have matching jackets. Uh-huh. Got they all have Xbox jackets. jackets, they got Xbox shirts, <laughs> they got Xbox everything. Wow. Well, and increasingly yeah. that is a, a larger and larger percentage of the whole games industry. So mm-hmm. <laughs> soon it's yep. like two hotels and then three hotels and then it's just the entire thing is just Xbox, Xbox. It's funny you say that, Kirk, because at one point I was uh, at the bar talking to like a group of Xbox people mostly comms people, PR, marketing, etc. And uh, the boss of them was like, oh, you know, these are all externalists. We're going to get you too, Jason. And I was like, oh my God. it's not happen. No, Sorry. I don't think Never. so. <laughs> Never going to happen. You wish, yeah, you said, charging off like a teenager. If journalism dies, my backup plan is to, I don't know, go become a monk or something. I think <laughs> if journalism <laughs> dies, just there's a world where all of journalism. I, I just, yeah, all of journalism dies. Yeah, I just it's have okay. so They'll many things I would either, do. Jason. I know, I've, I've got a long list of things that I would do. No offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, people. it's just, love it's all love. Like, all these are <laughs> lovely people, including our old pal Tina Amini, who I spent a bunch mm-hmm. of time with this week, mm-hmm. um, who have gone to the other side, but it's just not not for me. Yeah, I actually yeah. just got to the part of the Psychonauts documentary where Microsoft buys them, and it's interesting Whoa. watching this, mm. this fiercely independent studio suddenly realize that they are all Microsoft employees. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Weird. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Comes for us all eventually. Well, anyways, um, it's very early <laughs> in the morning, but we're going to stay on target. I'm going to stay on track here. And yeah. I'm going to explain to you all that Triple Click is a listener-supported podcast. And um, that means that we're totally supported by listeners like you. We don't have to run ads. We don't have to sell our show to Microsoft or any other giant corporation. We just get to make the show that we like totally independently for all of you. And that is because of your support and because of the Maximum Fun podcast network, which we are a member of. And so if you want to become a member of Maximum Fun, you support our show. You also get access to a bunch of bonus episodes from all of the Maximum Fun shows. There's a ton of great shows on the network, and we post a bonus episode every single month. We've been posting one since we started the show, so become a member and you get access to a whole lot of them. And uh, this month we're going to be doing a bonus episode about Succession with spoilers for the full series of Succession, a show that all three of us really like that had a really incredible final season, an incredible final episode, and there's going to be a lot to talk about. We haven't talked about it that on the show at all, like all the stuff that happened on the finale, so that's very very exciting. And um, um, So go to MaximumFun.org slash join to become a member. That's MaximumFun.org slash join. And one programming note before we get started, we are going to be off next week. We're taking a, a week off, so we'll be running something in the feed, not sure what, um, but then we'll be back the week after that. Okay, so this week we are talking about not E3. I can't <laughs> believe it's not E3 live from, <laughs> live from Los Angeles. So I just flew out here for this thing. Um, E3 is dead. It is no more, at least for this year. They say they'll come back. Who knows? We can talk about that in a little bit. But in lieu of that... A new event has arisen, has kind of come from the ashes <laughs> like a phoenix, and it is called Summer Game Fest, which is a terrible name because everybody I've spoken to calls it Summer Games Fest. And so then, this is like Barnes and Noble, Barnes and Nobles. Exactly, Kirk. That's oh man, my wife Amanda does that. She calls it yeah, Barnes and Nobles, does and that. every single time mm-hmm. I correct her, and she's like, "No, it's mm-hmm. Barnes and Nobles." No, it's um, just. <laughs> Yes, it is like that. And on top of that, it's also not summer for half of the world. So that's another interesting 
interesting part of the name. Right, I'm about to go to Australia, where it is definitely not summer. It's the uh-huh. winter games your winter jacket. Or game is fest. it even a God. festival? Like, there's uh-huh. more than one game, so game's inaccurate, summer's inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Is it a festival? We gotta get into it. Jason is going to tell us. <laughs> it did feel a little bit like a festival, and right. as we as we talk a little bit more about like what. Summer Games Fest actually see I'm doing it. Summer Game yeah, Fest stop. actually actually was. Yeah, I've never known that until you told me right now that it was game singular. Right? <laughs> yeah, I had a to while delete for the me. S games sounds so outline. much better. Like it should be games. Like, I know what it should be. So we're, um we're so festive. We, we can talk a little games. bit more. We can talk a little bit more uh, later about like the um, the campus experience and how that differs from E3. But first. Let me just do a quick overview to ground people to make sure everybody knows exactly what happened. So the events really started on Thursday, which is when Jeff Keighley, best known as the uh, host of the Game Awards, Gaming's Biggest Night, uh, (laughs) he he did a um, live show at the YouTube Theater in Inglewood, Los Angeles, in Inglewood, California. And um, just like did one of his Keeley shows where it's like, look at all these world premieres. Yeah, trailers. And trailers on trailers on trailers for trailers video games. Trailers on trailers for video games. Except The, uh, the Witcher, I, was in, I think, was there too. I was in the theater. Um, it was the full of people, but not quite, not that crowded. It was like a, a decent showing, I would say. Then on Friday and Saturday, um, media and influencers were able to go to this little campus in downtown Los Angeles that was essentially like um, kind of like a constrained version of E3. Um, basically, it's uh, this, uh, I think there were like 300 attendees as opposed to the thousands and thousands of, of attendees yeah. who, who go to E3 every year. Um, it was this kind of, um, uh, uh, there were a bunch of buildings on this little campus and a couple of like food trucks and food stands. And you go around and like, you see all the signs for the big publishers and they have their little booths, their little demo stations. And so Square Enix is over there and you get to go play foam stars in that room. And then you get to go check out, uh, a behind closed doors demo of armor core or whatever. Okay. So kind of like so E3, like very E3, E3 show floor. except mm-hmm. the big differences are that it was very, um, chill. It was a lot more chill because Mm -hmm. of the lack of crowds. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, and it was also, it was just more, it felt more professional than E3 did. Um, Not a lot of like, uh, uh, people wearing capes in the press room, or like <laughs> Jason's bugbear no has been for over a decade. If it's you true. are wearing any form of cosplay, but especially a cape around Jason Trier in a press mm-hmm. event, he is he is so upset. Yeah, journalists don't great. wear capes, guys. Journalists don't wear capes. They it's, don't. Journalists they're, don't they're, wear they're capes. Secret heroes. <laughs> they're, they're heroes, but they're not that heroes kind of heroes. Don't wear capes. Heroes, journalists don't wear don't capes. capes, and journalists are heroes. So there you go. Exactly. Yeah, um, but no, I mean, you could tell it's like every, I, I mean, it was all familiar faces for me. Like, of course, it's, yeah. You can walk from one booth to another without having 10 conversations with people you knew on the way. So that was cool. By which and, you and mean, again, like, not just developers, but other journalists, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, it was yeah. A very, Journalists, very, developers, like, press, PR yes, people yes. that mm-hmm. you know, very much like a, a, a lot of familiar faces. Um, so that was Friday and Saturday. And there was enough there that you could really, you could fit it into two days. Um, and then on Sunday, there was an Xbox show that you guys probably watched or caught pieces of where they did their whole trailers thing. It was an hour of Xbox and then another hour or so of Starfield, um, just showing off Starfield. We'll get into that. And then what Xbox did that wasn't streamed was they had like a little panel, a little behind closed doors panel called What's Next for Gaming? And they had Phil Spencer, Xbox's boss, and a couple of other executives and Todd Howard director mm-hmm. of Starfield, they all got on this little stage and did this kind of moderated conversation where this Xbox employee asked them a bunch of questions. Um, and there was no like press Q&A or anything, so it was pretty canned. And then uh, Sunday evening, I went to a Final Fantasy 16 event, which we won't really talk about because there was no news there or anything other than mm-hmm. a demo coming. Um, but that was just a fun thing to be at. And in fact, a bunch of people came up to me and were like, oh, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the show. So that was cool to see. Was that Final Fantasy event more of a kind of fan thing? I feel like I've oh, been yeah. to those before. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah, I think I know it. It was a fan there. thing. Um, a lot all of the capes. developers were there. Mm-hmm. A lot of capes, <laughs> um, yes. There weren't, no, not a lot of capes actually, but there yeah. there were wow. a lot of Final Fantasy t shirts and Kingdom Hearts t shirts. I guess they're more crystals than capes. Right. More crystals yeah. than capes. And like Final cloaks Fantasy. to kind of match the Game of Thrones vibe, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Some pins on the cloak. 
no cloaks that I can wow. see. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, really falling down. Of, Final Fantasy. A lot fans. of fans. <laughs> a lot of a lot of cool people. A lot of fans. They all got to play the game, and then there was like a signing nice. for um for all the the top developers, Naoki Yoshida, uh, oh, the okay, producer, sure, and, sure. and all the other folks were there. Um, which was pretty cool. It was cool to to be there and be part of that that excitement. I was actually I was shocked. So uh, to the opener of the event, and this will be the last we talk about this thing, this part of the show. But the opener of the event, um, Square Enix's CEO got on stage to address everybody, and he spoke in English, which I was so impressed by because hmm. usually Japanese developers yeah. and executives are speaking through translators, and everybody else did. But like that was pretty cool to see this that is this cool. kind of young guy, young new Square Enix CEO. He's like just started or is just about to start um, and spoke mm-hmm. in English. I joked. I was standing chose next to do to, that. Yeah. 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 Well, that he was able to do that. It's really yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was standing next to a Square Enix PR person and I was like, uh, so when is he going to mention NFTs? And the PR person was not happy. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about that stuff in order. We'll talk about Thursday and what you guys thought. Then we can talk about Friday and Saturday and I can tell you guys a little bit about what I played and what the vibe was like. And then we'll talk about Sunday and Xbox and how they how they came off. We're recording this before the Ubisoft thing and the Capcom thing today. So we won't be able to talk about that stuff. But Ubisoft happened to announce a couple of their big games anyway over the, mm-hmm. the older shows. Um, so, yeah, let's start with Thursday. Um, did you guys both watch the Keeley event? What did you make of it? Maddie, you want to start? Sure. So I did watch it and we covered it at Polygon in much the same way that y'all would remember we covered E3 back at Kotaku together. But Uh this Mm -hmm. is a very different vibe than E3. And I think that's reflected not just in terms of like the hype levels and traffic being lower and and just also the (laughs) vibe is more chill even from a live stream perspective it feels slower and a little more meandering we can get into some of the specifics it's not to say there weren't trailers that i thought looked really cool and exciting but kind of like the game awards there'd be some trailers that felt a little bit more like an advertisement than a trailer which i know is a fine line but there's kind of like a waxing and waning of that sensation in the stf stream that i didn't feel I think quite as were. much in xbox i think there were commercials there were ads for sure yeah yeah but okay. yeah some of it is just the the tone and pace uh but yeah i mean i i watched it all and felt exhausted by the end of it <laughs> and we can get into some <laughs> of the specifics of, of what was shown uh as we go along but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did feel different. Kirk, I'm I'm curious how you felt as somebody watching it and not being hot on those screenshots posting the news. What's your sense of it? I, well, I was just sort of following along with what everybody was talking about. Um, it seemed like Summer Game Fest, there was like a little bit more there than maybe that previous Sony event. Mm. But it wasn't, you know, extremely exciting. I watched a few things. I didn't watch everything. Um, I am mm-hmm. excited for Alan Wake 2. I, did, yeah, did you cool two watch trailer. the... Um, man, Alan Wake 2 is going to be great. But I guess we we knew that because Remedy makes good games. Um, did you watch this Will Arnett Twisted Metal? What did the two yes. of you think of, of yes. Will Arnett Sweet Tooth? The theater tooth? was dead silent. So they played, oh, no. this clip, <laughs> they played this clip from the show, the new Twisted Metal show. And they made uh-huh. this joking thing like Anthony Mackie and Will Arnett sang the thong song. And it was yes. meant to be funny and silly, but it was dead silent. Totally, and that's how that's... awful it was. That is fascinating because our coverage of that has done really well. I I feel like I get into traffic on this show, which is always like kind of weird. But well, no, that is an interesting little bit about that. Uh And um, we included well, maybe where people like hate watching it, or it did well, like people reacted well. Uh, Well, I don't know. We don't have thousands of angry comments on it. I think people are curious about it. I know I was curious about it because when I heard about the adaptation, just from their PR, I was like, Twisted Metal? Like, Mm -hmm. it's been 20-some years since anyone said those words to me. And in this age of video game live-action adaptations, I wouldn't have thought Twisted Metal starring Anthony Mackie, pretty solid star power on that guy. He's Captain America now. Will Arnett, famous comedic actor. Wouldn't have thought Twisted Metal would be the project. But if people are curious about that, I recommend um, just checking out the Polygon article because it includes a letter from the show showrunner who is obsessed with twisted metal like not not just a cash-in situation for this guy he has been trying to make this happen for the past 20 years has a pretty successful career in tv writing and this 
one guy is just really into the game Twisted Metal and really wanted to make this show. So regardless of what you think about the trailer, this show is a labor of love. And right. it's somebody who really loves Twisted Metal. I don't know. So, yeah. <laughs> that does explain that it, is. right? If, it if does, doesn't we it? We start asking this question of like, okay, The Last of Us, I get that. Assassin's yeah. Creature, okay, that kind of makes sense. Mario, yeah. okay, yeah, they've yeah, always yeah, wanted yeah. to make a Mario thing. And then it's like uh-huh. Twisted Metal. Hmm. Twisted Metal. But when you, when you hear that the guy making it is like, it's been his dream his whole life, suddenly yeah. it starts to make sense. Yeah, I think it's going to be a bit of a cult hit. I, I'll say that. Because we'll we've gotten some promo for it that makes it mm. seem like it's going to be really I mean, weird. I'll, and I'll I watch it. Weird I, just, I thought it was a card game, and there, it wasn't a single a car, car in the show. Like in the show clip, they showed. Well, there there were no there, cars. I'm sure there will be cars in the show. Just okay. they didn't want yeah. to just show cars driving around in the trailer. That makes sense. They wanted okay. to show people that it's going to be funny. I guess, but did they succeed at that? Anyway, yeah, let's get into the video. <laughs> open an open question. Let me tell you the highlights of the show. So um, the big, I guess, announcements were there was a new Prince of Persia game that's like a 2D Metroidvania. Um, mm-hmm. thing that has a lot of positive buzz. People who played it say, say it's it's kind of cool. Um, there was the new Sonic game, which I'll talk about in a bit because I played that. I mean, there isn't much to say. It's more Sonic. I don't know. It just felt oh, like Sonic. You don't have to talk about but it. But it's more. 2D, <laughs> yeah. Sonic, Jason. It's 2D. There's a Spider-Man 2 release date. <laughs> it's coming in October. Um, there was uh, Liza P. That game looks pretty cool. Got a release date. There was a new game. And it has a demo as well. I've seen people demo. playing the yes. demo and talking about yes. it. I haven't yet played it, but I do have it downloaded. This is Liza P. is a Pinocchio Bloodborne game, yeah, Pinocchio. I suppose, yeah. is how I would describe it. Um, and it looks yeah. dope as hell. There's a new announcement for a game, like Sand, a game called Sandland, which is a new yes. anime game. This looks from very cool. The Dragon May, Ball Z Imagine my Dragon Ball creator, Akira Toriyama. looks really cool art-wise. I thought yeah. this, this trailer was very exciting uh-huh. to me. And there was this amazing moment, uh, truly, truly well done by Jeff Keighley, where he was like, um, they showed some Final Fantasy mobile thing. And then yep. it cut the camera cut to Keighley, and Keighley was like, Speaking of Final Fantasy, and the crowd starts going crazy, yep. and he's like, and he, he turns, he turns, and he's like, no, 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 and then he starts <laughs> saying, DoorDash has got you covered with the Final Fantasy 16 promo, <laughs> and everyone's like, ah, oh. and it was by so far funny. the funniest part of the show was, was so funny. accidentally punking us all by everybody <laughs> waiting. I think it wasn't accidental, because then the real twist was that later he did have Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth, the trailer for that, the second part of Final Fantasy VII remake series, to close the show. So I don't think it was an accident, Maddie. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so is it the is it the Final Fantasy VII remake series or is it the Final Fantasy VII re series? Mm. Is it Final well, Fantasy sure. re seven? Are they all just going to be whatever you want to call it? I, I don't know. Um, that trailer was pretty cool. It was. Although cool. I was actually really confused. I don't know how much you guys followed, but everybody thought that um, they were teasing Tifa dying. Yes. Oh yeah, there's a whole polygon. Didn't Maddie? Didn't you write this I article? Wrote an article? A whole article on polygon about these ex- theories. You can read my explanation of why people yes. think that. So, so I'm sure, okay. Jason, what you're going to say is that in the original game, Tifa doesn't die, but she does have an altercation with Sephiroth that is similar to the one shown in the trailer. So of mm-hmm. course, you and I might be like, well, why would anyone think Tifa's going to die there? We already know she's not going to die. Well. In the Japanese version of the trailer, it's much more clear what Sephiroth is saying in that scene. He's saying he killed Tifa during that altercation and that he doesn't know who this current Tifa is who's been hanging out with Cloud. Yeah, I know. I just interpreted that as him just (laughs) saying, like, them adding a line. Well, there's the interpretation that Sephiroth's lying and that he's messing with Cloud and that Tifa didn't really die that day versus she did. Well... Or the third one, which I thought was at least was clear to me, which is that they they for this remake they've added a lot of extra dialogue to kind of fill out scenes, and this is just him saying, "Oh, I slashed you down. I thought you died. Like I killed you," and that they're just adding a little bit of color. You think that, and they just they just included that in the trailer just for fun. Yeah. Well, Mm, but why does he say who is she, and also include a whole monologue leading in suggesting that Genova is impersonating Tifa? 
I mean, given that we're we're playing a game where the biggest question is, is the character who dies not going to die? Yes. It definitely yes. seems fair to me. And that also, that's who true. will die? That's true. But they also, seems in the though, first game, they added a whole segment where Bar- it seems like Barrett dies and then the well, exactly. whispers bring him back to life. I don't know. Yep, yep, anyway, exactly. I, I didn't interpret it that way. But yes, I had conversations like that one afterwards and people were like, yeah, this is why. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that was Summer Games Fest, the keynote. Um, game Fest. Generally, I no left, yet yeah, Game Fest. I left pretty <laughs> underwhelmed, underwhelmed by that whole show and the feeling of it. Maddie, I think you, you were spot on before. This, more than anything else, feels just like like the blend between commercials and, like, I mean, even in just the DoorDash thing. It's like, at least when you watch at E3, previously at E3, there were no Keeley shows. It was, like, publisher shows. And at least yep. when you watch an EA show, you know you're watching a commercial for EA shows, but they don't see actual <laughs> commercial or a, a yeah, commercial for no EA games. There was purity in the commercials back in our day. Exactly. Yeah. It wasn't all know, diluted. Look, I mean, look, when I, watch, when I watch E3, I don't want fucking DoorDash yeah, I get you. I get yeah. you. I just think it's funny, but I get you. Like, I, I want the, the game companies to advertise That's, that's to how Keeley pays for the show, Jason. Mm-hmm. It has to be brought to us by Samsung and DoorDash. It's pretty, and pretty so silly. So yeah, yeah, it's pretty silly. Um, like, when you watch the <laughs> Xbox show, you're like, yes, this is all Xbox marketing, Xbox commercials, but... <laughs> That's what you're tuning in for. You're not tuning in for the well, other Well, and soon stuff. Microsoft will just own everything. And right. then all of the ads and all of the company's advertising will That's be true. in some way owned by Microsoft. So it'll, it'll come full circle. That's true. All of these events, these events are always from the YouTube feeder, the Microsoft feeder. So, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, okay, let's theater. talk about the next part of the show, which was the Play Days event. So like I mentioned before, it's this little campus. You go around. It's pretty chill. I really like that you don't have to wait online for anything. You can get food. Like at E3, you can't get food because the line is an hour long. Um, no, there is you no. Can actually, you bring your own granola bar or you starve. Exactly. Um, it only takes you like 30 seconds to walk from an appointment to another appointment. So that oh. was cool because no like, running. you don't have to be late <laughs> for things. Um, I'll talk about a couple of things that I played. Um, a couple of things that impressed me. And you guys can say if you saw anything that impressed you. Um so the thing that blew me away the most was, wait for it, Crash Team Rumble. Okay. okay yeah, didn't say more. Crash Team Rumble. Me neither. <laughs> I sent it for the appointment. I was like, whatever. It was super fun. It's like this, it's kind of like Destiny's Gambit. It's this 4v4 multiplayer mode where you have to go around collecting fruit and bringing it back to your little deposit bank. And then along the way, you can also attack other players like on the other team and like block them and use special abilities. Is this first person, third person? It's third person. It's third person. all multiplayer. It's like one of those budget, I think it's like 40 bucks multiplayer. Sure, sure. They also Monday sell costumes and hats and stuff. Um, yeah, in, incredibly fun. I was playing with like a bunch of the dev team and like other people who were there and it was super fun. I really enjoyed that experience. Also played Remnant 2. You guys, Kirk, Hell you were yeah. a fan of the first game, right? Yeah, I love the first game. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Remnant is like it's like souls with guns. Um, it's like Gears of War souls, I'd say. Okay. Gears of Souls was yeah, okay. Gears of souls. Yeah. Souls a lot of, of people War. describe it. Yeah, like yeah, third person I mean, cover shooting with like Gears E kind of combat, but a Dark Souls structure and kind of world. Yeah, well, so I played Remnant Two. I played through uh, like one in one stage with a boss. They told me that there's some procedurally generated elements yeah. to it, so it doesn't have like the careful design mm-hmm. level design of a souls game but it feels pretty good the shooting is really good um there are bonfires and estes flasks and all the stuff you want for all the good stuff you want from a souls game um i was playing on like either easy or medium one of the low there are difficulty settings in this one mm-hmm. um i was playing on one of the lower ones and still got my ass kicked so yeah a fun fun challenge to play the game for sure um unlike the first game the biggest difference in remnant 2 is they have these archetypes so you can you can pick from the beginning of the game like i want to be a sniper type archetype or i want to be oh, a burly okay. tank quite archetype and then there's a lot more like character customization they were telling me um it felt really good i really enjoyed it um a lot of fun monsters to shoot and a big part of the fun of that game is playing multiplayer it is a multiplayer game Mm, so i would say having more of a class system would be really cool for it because you can specialize yeah yeah i didn't try multiplayer but the designer i was talking to one of the lead designers this lady named cindy who was telling me that um 
that uh, when you play in multiplayer, they ramp up the difficulty. They throw in more sure. more monsters to kill. That was fun. I fought a boss at the end of the stage. That was really cool. Um, just this teleporting kind of like uh, Father Gaskion That's looking cool. dude. Just based on the first game, it seems like a team that you know had a lot of success with their first game, but it's a kind of a simple game, and that now they've probably got the kind of resources and time to really explore a lot of ideas. It yeah. has the feel of that game that's going to have a really killer sequel, so mm-hmm. that's cool mm-hmm. to hear. Yep, yep, yep. Um, played some Sonic, whatever. It's more Sonic. Um, I checked out uh, Armor Core. <laughs> Armor Core 6 I got to see. I oh, didn't okay. get to play it, but there was like a little stage demo. Um, that game, that series is not for me. I was kind not of, I, I came into it open-minded because I was like, oh, new FromSoft game, maybe they'll add some Soulsy stuff, but no, it's just, just Armor Core, um, which I'm just not into mechs or anything, so I can't really come in on that one. Played some Mortal Kombat, gross game. It's disgusting. Um, <laughs> just like did you, did you see people, the discourse gooey. talking about uh, how Mortal Kombat was so prominently featured in Summer Game Fest and how... Yeah. If somebody were to watch that show, they'd be like, really? This is what video games are doing these days? I, and not only that, when you were there, you heard people going crazy over the spine ripping. and Because like, oh. there were a bunch of fans in the theater. and they People were like, love that shit. Yeah. yeah, man. Some people were into it. I'm, I, it was not for me. Um, I was sitting in this theater presentation. The developers are getting really excited about all the, the spine ripping fatalities. Mortal Kombat, though, it's like speaking of Twisted Metal. I mean, to look at another <laughs> 90s brand, Mortal Kombat yeah. is one of the most enduring brands in all of video games. I mean, they've Absolutely. always, they've, I guess there was kind of a fallow period for a minute, but they've always been around and they've always been popular. So that doesn't surprise me at all. People love Mortal Kombat. It mm-hmm. is true. People love Mortal mm-hmm. Kombat. And then I played the Cyberpunk expansion. Oh, Phantom, man. I'm so excited Phantom for this. That trailer Liberty. was totally sick. And I've been it playing a ton of Cyberpunk this year. And that game uh-huh. has like, become very good. And I'm yes. extremely excited about that DLC. Maybe more than almost anything else. Maybe more than anything. Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah. I played some of that. It was really cool. I really enjoyed nice. it. I'm excited. I told them, hey, I'm excited to revisit the game. Everyone loves the redemption story. Here's a fun fact. The director of Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty, and also he told me now the director of like the next Cyberpunk game, which they're going to work mm. on after this, is a man named nice. Gabe Amantangelo, who might sound familiar to old listeners of Split Screen because he was on the show in 2018, uh-huh. I believe, or 2019 at GDC. He was running a studio called QC Games, I mean, a game called Breach, and Maddie and I mm-hmm. talked to him. At GDC. And I was like, hey, do you remember me? He's like, oh, yeah, we did that podcast. And uh, now he is running Cyberpunk. That's pretty cool to have him back on the show. He took over or he came on in like 2020 towards the end of development and then took over a year later um, as director of Phantom Liberty, the, the DLC, and then went on from there. Um, and it seems very much like this, they want this DLC to be like a big, meaty expansion. It looks um, like, is it, I was looking at it, and it's like the president has crash-landed in part of the city. Mm-hmm. I was like, is this just Escape from New York? Like, are they basically doing Escape <laughs> from New York in Cyberpunk? Which, if that's the case, hell yes. Uh, I'm on board with that. Yeah. And doesn't the president have the same last name as me? That was very disappointing. Myers. Oh, yeah, Myers. That's she spells it the same way, too. I was like, am I yeah. some distant relative of mine president in this <laughs> yeah, Future, all right, all right. Shout out to Maddie. Yeah, it was cool. I wanted to take screenshots of all of the moments of the characters. They're like, everybody's after Myers, but (laughs) who knows why? There's a thousand reasons to take Myers down. And I was like, damn, all right. Myers has so many enemies. Yeah, yeah. It felt it felt very much like they're trying to do. They're trying to make it more of an RPG. They're trying to make it more of like the linear experience. I mean, when I interviewed Gabe, he was telling me that like they also have systemic stuff and trying to trying to add that too. But I I I kind of got the vibe that they're they're focusing a little more on what that what matters Man. the deus ex part of it mm-hmm. i'm really i'm excited for you because i know maddie you played a fair amount of or maybe all of cyberpunk but jason i'm excited for you to play it because having played oh, i through, never beat it but i would like to beat it yeah oh okay yeah i played through most of it i'm near the end but i really like the story stuff of that game is very yeah. very strong and it's uh-huh. exciting to like go and and play more of it like the fact that they're going to yeah. do expansions especially because those witcher 3 expansions were the mm-hmm. best stuff in the game they were incredibly good so and this one will uh, so yeah. this one is 30 dollars, so it's like meant to be the big one he they also yeah. told me this is this is the only one they're doing this will be moving on to the next game yeah that's the plan yes. 
Um, it's set just like The Witcher ones. It's set in the middle of the story, so you can do it like any time. Right. You can also start a new game and skip right to the DLC. The, the expansion. yeah, I think I'm going to download it in the middle. And it looks like from the trailer, it's going to deal with your character V's brain implant and Johnny mm-hmm. and the whole thing. Like it looks mm-hmm. like they're going to try to find a way that you can get out of it, which was kind of always a tension in the game: is that you're playing this open world game, you want to just relax and live your cyberpunk life in Night City, but yeah. there's this ticking time bomb in your brain, and it's a constant plot pressure so Mm -hmm. those two things are in conflict the fact that they are now adding a way that you can maybe some other ways you can deal with it totally makes sense and then you can maybe kind of relax and just uh, live your cyber life Yes, and uh, Keanu is is just as big a part of the DLC yeah. as he was of the main mm-hmm. game. I did play Very Kirk. Exciting. I did play a fair amount. Like I got part the, all the stuff with with Jackie and um, got into some of the Keanu stuff. And yeah, did you run into so, Idris Elba's character? At no, all? I had to stop my demo just before no. I met him. I was like about to meet him and didn't get to. So it's okay. September is it's coming out in September, so not too far away. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was cool. Um, it was it was a fun atmosphere. So one thing I'll talk about, and then we'll get into Sunday, is there was a lot of gossip around the show because I was at the JW bar every night, and you always see like lots of people. You meet new people. People people came up to me a lot. And they're like, "Hey, I'm a fan. I love Triple Click, et cetera, et cetera." Cool, cool. Um, All right, a, great, a great of, story. Everyone, a lot of everyone gossip. likes Jason. Yeah, Jason's like, popular. No, everyone loves. <laughs> everyone loves about how cool Jason is. Everyone <laughs> loves triple click um oh, the gossip nice. the gossip was about uh e3 and like is e3 coming mm. back most mm. people i talk to believe that it is dead that sgf yeah. is going to replace it that next year more big publishers are going to go to sgf because what sgf was really missing were a couple things one like a really uh, stronger lineup of games because like you have ea there but all they have is like their immortals whatever game immortals and, like, of avium yeah, and like yeah. some some uh, soccer or golf game. I don't know. I don't even remember. Um, and like Nintendo isn't there. Um, Microsoft yeah. is doing their own thing separately. Uh, a lot of the heavy hitters were kind of missing. And then also there were very few opportunities for interviews. The way that E three would often give you time to like go to a go to a booth somewhere, go to a, a closed room somewhere, and talk to people. So those are things that were missing. But the general consensus I got from talking to people is that like. Next year, it'll probably be more people coming to SGF rather than E3 opening up again. So we'll see what happens. But I got Mm. that vibe. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think this thing was a good replacement for E3. Um, Maybe there could also be like a fan show that exists alongside it. But having that campus for press, you can really get a lot more done than you can in the Mm. craziness of crowds at E3. That said, there was a vibe missing. There was an energy missing that was always at E3. You can walk down the hall and then be like, oh, Shigeru Miyamoto's over there, like, playing PlayStation games. Wow, mm-hmm. that's weird. So oh. yeah. there was something Maybe missing. Maybe it'll be like that as it gets bigger, though. I, I personally just find it odd that Jeff Keighley ends up being the guy who's in charge of this event. I don't feel like mm. there's any one person mm. who has a comparable role in any other industry. And I've said this about the Game Awards as well, like just how unusual his role is and how much responsibility he has as a curator. I just find it unusual. It's not to say I don't think he's up for it or something. It's just it's just odd that it's right. just this One guy. guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, I guess I'm not against SGF replacing E3, but we'll see, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> More DoorDash I ads. I agree. It is weird. It's not... It's not exactly comfortable, that's for sure. Yeah, and he clearly works with a lot of sponsors as opposed mm-hmm. to what E3 does, which is work with an event that probably has unionized setup as opposed to, like, Samsung TV is sponsoring the event, Razor headsets mm. sponsoring the event. Like, that is a, that's a difference that I'd love to see somebody dig into. Yeah, it's funny you mention that. And one of the conversations I had with people was that buying a space at SGF was cheaper than it was at E3 years I ago. I so. because of mm. probably lack for, union, yep, no yeah. teamsters. <laughs> yep, yeah. No unionized yeah. labor. You're 100% right. Yep. It's interesting. Mm, definitely something to keep in mind. So, and then Sunday was the Xbox show, definitely uh, the strongest uh, of yeah, the week's snappy. shows. Good at least watch. so far. Um, again, we're recording this pre Ubisoft and Capcom, but, but Xbox was, was much stronger than the Keeley show. Um, did you guys watch it? Any highlights? Anything you guys enjoyed from that show? 
I think it's funny that Ubisoft showed their big game at Xbox, which is very E3, yeah. like yeah, <laughs> one Star of those Wars. E3 things. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, that Ubisoft was. always did that, right? They that's what I'm saying. It's very E3. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's very E3 of them to show the cinematic trailer and then do the gameplay reveal later. Yeah, the I gameplay thought that reveal, looks yeah. okay. Um, you know, I, I still haven't gone back to finish Jedi Survivor, so I'm still in the midst of one big third-person open-world Star Wars game. But uh, you know, another one with a with a lady protagonist that looks mm-hmm. looks kind of neat, kind of a fun like a force trailer. User. She seems like yeah, a Han Solo gun cool. gun yep. toting type. Yeah, mm-hmm. Kirk, I'm surprised you're not a little higher on that because it looked like if anything's going to be close to an Andor show, uh, it's going to be that. It does. I guess yeah. so. Yeah, it's. I mean, the only real reason that I don't have a strong take on it is that I haven't seen gameplay because we haven't watched okay. the Ubisoft thing. So like, it was a pre-rendered Fair. trailer. I don't know, but yeah, cool mm-hmm. in concept. Um, yeah. I love Fable, so I'm I'm excited that there's going to yeah. be more Fable. That was a, that was that was a cute little trailer. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, and Richard Iotes was in that trailer being funny. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit <laughs> Uncanny Valley-ish, I have yeah. to say. Not all video yeah. game Weird. renderings of humans actually do that anymore. A lot of times they just look like people. Yeah, like real pretty famous actors that you super yeah, know what their face looks like. A little bit like, thrown by that game. in the trailer. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a little weird. It's a little There's weird. also Avowed. Um, there was yep. that new game from In Exile that looked like Bioshock Infinite. You guys see that? It was like <laughs> yeah. straight out of Bioshock Infinite. That was weirdly, very weirdly Bioshock Infinite. That yeah, was, a little that too was much. Just, that was odd to me. I, I didn't know what to make of it. I wouldn't have expected a game to like straight up just the aesthetic. There's just something, the lighting, the... It was very un- odd how much that looked. How much that looked like Bioshock Infinite. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, that was the main reaction I saw to that. Like to the point that people seemed distracted from the actual trailer itself, just to be right. like, "Was that Bioshock Infinite too? Well, yeah. Why?" Right. It was. How's it that was possible? Just, how's that being made? Wait. I no, almost don't know how is? I feel. It's just I feel weird. Like it made yeah, me feel weird. I was like, "This is to weird." Have a game be that similar to another extremely famous game with a studio that notably. Mm, disbanded is a weird word to describe what happened to Arash. Right, yeah. and, and also I guess it speaks to the to how iconic Bioshock Infinite is. Oh, yeah. You know, I know we all have very mixed feelings about that game and about its development. At but, least story wise, but it has a very solid aesthetic for sure. Like it's right, very and it really it goes to show. Right, it's so strong that if you do copy it, it like is immediately <laughs> clear what you're copying. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah. yeah, this is what you're doing. Like you are there's this one game that looks and sounds like this. Yeah, I, I will say I don't think that like just the CG trailer or whatever it was, not CG in game, whatever it was, um, doesn't really do justice because it's a game from in exile, the makers of like Wasteland. Um, Brian right. Fargo's team, he was originally, I mean, he ran Interplay back in the day and um, Wasteland Fallout, etc. It's kind so. of interesting to see to see an Exile making this kind of a game. Like, well, that's the thing. It's, they said afterwards, like, this is an RPG with, like, RPG systems in it. It just hmm. seemed more like an infinite type game from the aesthetic of it. But uh, okay. I don't think it's going to be like a first-person shooter the way that Bioshock Infinite was. Oh, so, okay. That's good to know. Because I, I would definitely like, immediately assume that just seeing it. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. this is going to be a Bioshock style, you know, run around, shoot things and do magic. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that was the, the, the nature of the trailer. Interesting. Um, yeah, there was a vowed, I saw a headline afterwards that was talking about how Obsidian had set out to make their own version of Skyrim with a vowed. Yeah, that's kind of what it looks to, like. To scale it down. Um, mm. So it's a little bit more like Outer Worlds approach where it's like depth rather than breadth. Is their goal for that? So is Avowed, did you get the sense that it's also a kind of dialogue-y, go-around-do-stuff thing? It looked to me more like an action combat game. That's what I was no, trying to get the sense of. It looks like Skyrim, it's Obsidian, but I don't see a lot of like dialogue and sort of world interactivity the way that I Skyrim think that was is. just the nature of the trailer. Um, okay. I suspect it'll feel like an Obsidian RPG. Like It'll have all the dialogue trees and um, stat checks and stuff. That sounds cool. Did they say when that's coming out? That's... Um... Next year. Yeah, because um, Starfield is the really the big thing. Yeah, the yeah. Big thing well, to talk about. let's talk and about that. Yeah. So, yeah, what did the two of you think of that, of that extensive demo that they gave? I thought it was really cool. Um, I also was like, how much of this is, is actually going to be delivered upon in the game? How many of these promises 
are actually going to live up to what they're prom- what they're what they're hyping up here about. It. But I was impressed. So I thought that that whole in game uh, that whole gameplay presentation afterwards. Was just, I didn't watch all of it. Um, I had to go take a shower like towards the end. But mm-hmm. what I saw was really cool. I liked I liked the lady who was like, "I'm going to hoard sandwiches. I love yes. hoarding sandwiches." I feel like that was everybody's favorite moment. A real, uh, an actual moment relatable. of humanity in one mm-hmm. of those trailers. I'm like, this yeah. is how we actually play these kinds of games. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I just yep. hoarding yep. a yep. weird thing. Yeah, um, it looked cool. At this point, I have hit. I just want to play it. I don't want to keep watching stuff about it, but I I don't know if that's an unusual take or not. It's just when we're close enough to release on something, I'm almost like, the more I learn about this, yeah, you don't want to know anymore. You know what I mean? But I did enjoy watching it nonetheless. The No Man's Sky comparisons abound, Mm -hmm. and they have since it was announced, but even more so after that reveal. Yeah, especially the first parts of that that trailer, the the sort of demo, not really trailer, I suppose, the direct the demo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it made me think of of No Man's Sky for a while, and I've just now segued back to Zelda after kind of rapping with Diablo Four. And there's so much Zelda left for me that I still have a little bit of that feeling of overwhelm looking at another mm-hmm. gigantic open world game, hearing Todd Howard say, there will be 1,000 planets like this. And I'm like, <laughs> I just, one planet would be fine, man. But when they started getting into settlements and walking around and talking to people, and it started to look more like Mass Effect and less mm-hmm. like No Man's Sky, I yeah. was much more on board and excited. I thought that that stuff looked really cool. Like the aesthetic of the game does look very nice. I think they have a really nice art style, this sort of clean, shiny, I don't know how to describe it exactly, but it, the, the cities that they showed looked really nice. And I was like, okay, okay, cool. All right, I'm going to play this. And then, Maddie, I did start to feel like you. I was just like, okay. Fine, put it on my computer. I've seen enough. Give me the game, Todd. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. And uh, mostly just with regard to the No Man's Sky comparison of it all, people are like sort of now looking at it and being like, well, No Man's Sky has all these procedurally generated planets and that's why it's so much better. And I'm just like, well, it wasn't better at launch. How how soon we forget. (laughs) And also to have like really specific crafted spaces and crafted NPC quests is really what I'm looking forward to with something like Starfield. And that's not to say that No Man's Sky isn't cool in its own way, but that's the specific thing that I'm excited about that Uh it supposedly will offer. With actually making things like on purpose, the way that this game seems to have, (laughs) you can just build the things that are a little more climactic. Like one issue that No Man's Sky has always had is that when you do find a huge monster, like a space monster, which you can do now and you couldn't really do at launch, they're always a little deflating because it's just this big dumb thing wandering around and it's Mm -hmm. bigger and it's maybe cool looking, but that's sort of it. Where you can imagine at least, and I have no idea if this will be true of Starfield, but if there is some sweet space leviathan, it's actually a whole set piece that somebody made and so it actually feels much more you know climactic and exciting to find this huge crazy space dinosaur that impacts the rest of the world and yeah. other people react to it along with you and those reactions are composed yeah and, et cetera, by et cetera. A person. and there are yeah, it actually yeah, yeah. has gameplay that means something yeah yeah so. yeah yeah one thing that's striking me about the, that showcase is that it felt like they were trying to show, like, hey, you can do other things aside from shoot. You can talk your way out of situations. Yeah. You can sneak around, which yeah. was, uh, I think a lot of people felt like was missing from Fallout 4. And so it's good to see them putting up this emphasis on that. Emphasis on that. It does. I have to say, it does always reduce the game whenever they cut to, like, sick first-person headshotting. Like, I'm always just like, this is lame. <laughs> like, yeah. even though I'm sure it'll be fun and stuff, it is, it is such a video games thing that you have to show this like beautiful evocative space world and these conversations then be like also like sick gunplay like low gravity yeah. like headshots and I'm like uh, <laughs> you know which I'm sure we'll be doing a lot of in the game and it'll probably yep. hopefully be fun but uh, it is it is always there the biggest problem with Starfield is that it comes out um, on September 6th and you can buy early access and get it on September 1st while, while Baldur's Gate 3 comes out on August 31st. That is a problem. That is yeah, and then Cyberpunk problem. comes out later in September, right? Yep. I mean, we're, yep. it's never going to let up this year. It is never going to let up, yeah. And then Spider-Man in October, it's a lot, yeah. it's a lot this year. Um, one more thing that we didn't mention from the Xbox show is the new game from the Persona trilogy, the, the trilogy of like the designer and artist and stuff who who helmed Persona Five. And Shoji Meguro, the composer, very yes, important. Yes, yes, and the, of course, the composer. Um, uh, it was called Metaphor or something or another, and it's like a fantasy take on Persona. They had announced this ages ago as Project mm-hmm. Re Fantasy. 
Now it's finally here, and it looks uh, well. I thought it looked tremendous. What do you? It looked like you Persona Fantasy that? game. I, I know, know yeah, which which I played fun. the hell out of, uh, especially in the in lieu of a, a new Persona game. Hell yeah, I'll play that. Right. Well, and then along with the Persona Three remake and Persona Five Tactics, like there's a lot mm-hmm. of Persona. The Persona, of Persona aesthetic Persona. is really just around a lot, which is cool, cool. Though I, I'm kind of like sated for the moment after <laughs> finishing Persona Five Royal, like the second yeah, time really? through you don't that game. Play it again? So. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I will That's definitely weird. play more Persona things, and I'll replay that Persona Three remake. And yeah, I, I'm sure Metaphor is going to be going to be cool just based on who's working on it. So yeah, man, I mean, I'll play all those games. That, well, that's why I was excited about Metaphor because it was something new. It wasn't like more Persona. It wasn't. It was totally new. Even though it mm-hmm. looked like Persona, it still is going to be a brand new thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it it has fantasy in it. It's like yeah. I, I noticed so it's like that. More- Persona, but it's not more Persona, but it exactly. Is. Mm-hmm. Exactly, Jason. it looks like Persona. <laughs> it's very stylish. It's got the whole the menus look Persona-ish. They're all over the place. It, all it the looks wild. Designs. If I caught in the bottom right during one of the combat sequences, which looks like Persona, um, it was like night. Like I saw, it was like it looked like it was like fantasy archetypes. Um, for mm. each character, so maybe maybe instead of saying like Joker, go do this, it'll be like Knight, go do this, <laughs> so, okay. which is so we'll different. See. Yeah, I'm so different. Yeah. You. So different. Um, okay, before cool. we take a break and do one more thing, any final thoughts? Anything, Maddie? You watched some of the indie shows? Did you see anything that really stood out to you? Um, anything else that we haven't mentioned from either of you? Sure. I'll just say really quickly, uh, we also covered Day of the Devs, which is always fun to watch. has a lot of indies in it. And I thought the game Viewfinder looked really cool. It's like a game where you're walking around a world with a bunch of like suspended platforms in first person and you find pictures of other platforms and architecture that you can then hold up the picture and that structure will appear if you're holding up the oh, picture I've in the right spot. Oh, I've seen this game demoed. Yeah. Yes, it looks this game it's been really around for a while, cool. this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The trailer helps explain it better than I just did. You have to see it. You do have to see it. Beautiful. And it looks like a cool puzzle game to me. But yeah, just in general, I had a really good time watching some trailers all weekend long. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Why don't we take a break and then we'll be back with one more thing. My fellow graduates, for 500 episodes, my podcast, The JV Club with Janet Varney, has gathered story after story of all the scandalous things we've done throughout our childhoods. Stories like how Jamila Jamil survived a horrific house party and she was on crutches. Or how Hal Lublin learned a Shakespearean monologue in his pajamas. This is not the speech we approve. Without your love and life tragedies, there would be no podcast. In fact, I have an exclusive look at how Maggie Lawson's mom confronted her after a sneaky basement meetup with her crush. Spill the tea, JV. Security! Uh, uh, listen to the JV Club with Janet Varney Thursdays on Maximum Fun! Class of forever! Parenting. It's hard, but don't worry, you're not alone. Belly up to the low bar with one bad mother and let us remind you that fine is good enough. They want to climb on different things. And how am I supposed to keep them both from dying? (laughs) There is a right way to do this. And if I can figure out that right way, I'm going to be a good parent. So that is not a thing. So join us each week and let us tell you that you are doing a good job. You can listen to One Bad Mother on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so we are back for one more thing. Kirk, Maddie, how do you want to do this? You want to both go at once? You want to talk at the same time? What do you want to do? Yeah, let's let's both talk at the same time. So, okay, and I'll sure. pan myself right and Maddie left. And then okay, people can okay. choose That'll what you want to focus That'll on. Be fun. It'll be like you can experience being at the JW bar uh, <laughs> yeah. during each during right, SGF right. week. So we're both talking about Diablo Four, which I finished on my Sorcerer. Ooh. I finished oh, the you story finished? and an oh, end so game. Cool. And Maddie, cool. you are you started over as a rogue, and you're enjoying it more. Is that right? I did, so I've not finished it. But Kirk, why don't you give us your big picture thoughts, and then I can talk more. Yeah, what'd you think? You rogue. finished it all. How's the story? Um, I I think the story is really fun. It's really cool. It has a awesome. lot of really cool moments. It's totally worth playing through. I mean, if you have the game, of course, I'm sure people will. But um, I'd say it's even worth focusing on, only because. You know, you'll probably be around level 50 when you finish it, which then you can enter the world tier three, which you kind of start getting the end game loot and entering that whole world. It feels a little bit like Monster Hunter to me. 
um, in that Monster Hunter has high rank and low rank, where when you finish the low rank run of all the monsters, you just do it again on high rank. And then high rank gear that you start grinding for is so much better than your low rank gear that you immediately get rid of all the stuff that you maybe spent a long time accumulating in low rank. And that's happening to me as well, um, where I really kind of built a pretty sick build for a sorcerer toward the end of the game. And now, like, the basic stuff that I'm getting in World Tier 3 is better than my best thing that I was carrying around that I spent forever kind of customizing in World Tier 2, which I had played uh, the sort of easier World Tier. So that's a little bit deflating. So now that I've kind of beaten it and entered this higher World Tier, I'm a little like, oh, man, I can't do this all again. And the story's over. So I've sort of, I'm like, okay, back to Zelda. Like, it it was a good (laughs) sort of point to stop playing. But I did have a very good time. And I'll say... Um, just for anyone out there playing as a sorcerer, I changed my sorcerer build again because I know I got kind of detailed last time about my build. This time I I respect to be a totally, um, a sort of one trick pony, Um, a sorcerer that just does arc lash, which is just a sort of melee, like lightning whip, I guess, attack. And then everything else that I do is built around passives and stunning. So this is a build that I found online. I'll um, I'll share a link for that in the show notes. I wouldn't have figured this out just because there are all these different nodes in the build tree and you'd have to really sit down and study them. But I think if you did that, you would immediately see this where basically there's a way to set it up so that every time you trigger something with a cooldown, you get certain perks activated. Every time you stun an enemy, you get certain things activated. There's a couple of items that give you bonus damage to stunned enemies. So then the cooldowns and the stuns start to work together and pretty soon... Your whole ability bar is just cooldowns, so things that have a cooldown rather than things that use mana. I have no mana abilities, so I just don't use my mana at all. And then every time I trigger a cooldown, it makes me kind of armored and invincible. So I'm basically a tank sorcerer who just stands there in the middle of everybody with a shield, just absolutely wrecking shop. And I just like marched through the final maybe third of the story with this build. It was like it felt broken. It was very fun to just like (laughs) absolutely annihilate everything. Oh man. Yeah, and it kind of goes to show I think just how varied your builds can be. Since I'd been playing this, you know, very much more mobile sorcerer who couldn't take much damage and I was like doing a lot of ranged attacks and then I just respect my character and suddenly I'm a tank that just like destroys things. So that was uh-huh. a lot of fun and made me, you know, I think it'd be really fun to try a different character and yeah. different kinds of builds in the future. Uh, it's a very flexible game and very fun overall with a good story, I will say. Um, definitely worth playing through the story. It's very cool. Very cool. So you don't think you're going to stick with end game content at all? You think you're just No, if it. anything, I would maybe if I'm bored later play it again as a rogue or something but I want to hear more about what Maddie thinks of the rogue of the rogue yeah Maddie how far are you um I'm on act two so I did I did start over completely as a different character and I'm so glad I did and I just wanted Mm. to go into a little more detail about how much fun it is because I really recommend it I played as a barbarian for all of D3 and D2 and I just mm-hmm. am such a slow heavy methodical player in pretty much every class based game that that exists in that it was really hard for me to even imagine playing a different kind of character but just for whatever reason I don't think the barbarian feels that great in this game I'm sure they're going to change it but right now a lot of the moves felt very similar to me and it almost felt like kind of button mashing just in the sense that I was like every every move feels like a different version of a melee attack that has just slightly different timing and that isn't very exciting to me um but the rogue as i'm playing it has a lot of different kinds of attacks which is really cool because i truly Mm -hmm. feel like it's the opposite of button mashing where every single button i'm hitting is completely tactical very swiss army knife kind of yeah and that is so cool like i there's the 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 double knife stab, like Arya Stark style. Like I'm getting in really close nice. and shiving people. And the Caltrops is like you leap back and you're throwing a billion razor blades on the ground. And I have these like swirling shadows that flip around me and attack people and stuff. I don't know. It's really cool. So there's like mid range, far range, up close, mm-hmm. everything really feeling like it's tactical feeling like it's super fun, both multiplayer and also completely on my own. And like playing against bosses isn't as hard as it was or as boring as it was just all around having a way, way better time with the game and definitely going to beat it with the rogue. Could even see myself trying the sorceress at some point because of how much fun I'm having and how much I've heard about 
just how creative you can be with builds. I don't know that Endgame is going to be for me either, but that's Ooh. okay because I'm enjoying it a lot in this current form. Yeah, who needs nice. a forever game? Just play yeah. a campaign and end it. It's yeah. cool exactly. that this game allows both options. You can make it your forever game or not. And there's and the story does set up like there's more to the story and there's mm-hmm. gonna be they've said there's gonna be expansions, so like of I'll course. definitely for come sure. back for those. I'll, and I'll play more of this. And story seasonal sure. content also. Yeah, yeah, that I'm probably gonna miss, but I'll come back for the like story mm-hmm. the expansion nice expansions. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean mm-hmm. I think seasons have story in them too, is is what I mean. I think I've seen though that they've said that they're not gonna do the as strong of a seasonal narrative the way that Destiny okay. does, where if you come in okay. late, you miss a bunch of the story. I think they're Got focusing it. the big story beats more on DLC. On Not totally sure about okay. that, but I saw that somewhere, which okay, would make sense. Tracks. I think it's a better approach. That tracks. Yeah. Everyone in LA is talking about Diablo. I, I saw a bunch of people who were all obsessed with it. Uh, I was talking mm-hmm. to our buddy Billy about it. I was talking to our buddy Tom Tom about Diablo. It was fun to see. Everyone's just like, you know, I'm, I'm excited to get home and hopefully fix my crashing issues so I yeah, can actually hope it play working. it. Yeah. We will yeah. see. Um, my one more thing is uh, not a game. It is the writer's strike. And the reason mm-hmm. that my one more thing is the writer's strike is, first of all, the games I'm playing I can't really talk about other than Zelda. But also, um, uh, it's just an interesting conversation topic here in L.A. I actually went to the picket line on Tuesday, last Tuesday, and uh, visited and was, was chatting with some of the folks there. And it was really interesting. Um, it was outside of Netflix HQ and cars kept coming by and honking in solidarity. And uh, our buddy, our friend of the show, Adam Conover, who is uh, like kind of one of the leaders of the line, yeah. told me that uh, that word is word on the scene is that uh, the honking is very irritating for Netflix executives, which is, uh, <laughs> which is part of the point. Just part of the point. It. Um, it's really interesting just having conversations with people about like what they think of the strike, when they think it's going to end. A lot of people think it'll go through the summer, unless the actors strike too, which will, uh, which might expedite things. But um, one thing I thought was really interesting is that one of the big sticking points is over um, residuals involving the streaming networks. And one mm-hmm. of the big um, uh, kind of obstacles is that the streaming networks, Netflix's, Disney Plus's of the world, uh, won't share their data. And so there's no point of like, there, there isn't even anything that people can negotiate from. You can't say like, well, my show made X hours, so I should make Y, and then this show made that, and that should make that. They, nobody mm-hmm. has the data, um, unlike the movie business or even standard TV, TV networks, where you have Nielsen ratings, you have box office, you, you know what people should be making as a result of that. Um, and there are kind of a couple of theories about that. And this was really interesting. I was actually talking to someone like who works in Hollywood, a manager um, of Raiders and stuff, and, and was talking to him a little bit about this. Um, one theory is that the numbers are incredibly high and the Netflixes of the world don't want to share the money that they're making with anybody. Mm. Another theory, and this is the one I'm kind of leaning towards just in, in my own, like, this makes sense, is that the numbers are incredibly low and <laughs> they don't want to reveal that it's all a house of cards and that, like, this is all they've been, they've been pursuing this, like, Don Quixote-like quest of just, like, making streaming a thing and it's not actually a thing. So if that is the case, one belief that a lot of people in Hollywood share, I think, is that streaming is just going to die and that it's just going to be like, okay, this golden age of streaming is over. We're returning to network television. It's kind of like we're going back to the old way of doing things because these uh, $30 million an episode productions of shows that like make for these fantastic looking and really cool shows are just not sustainable and the streaming model never worked. And all these companies, all these uh, uh, TV companies and film companies were just trying to act like tech companies and show growth, even if it didn't actually equate to Mm. profits. Um, And that's the one I believe. And so I can see that being the future where it's like, hey, this is all just nonsense. Let's go back to the way things used to be. But yeah, it's really interesting being in Hollywood and just seeing it, seeing it all in the air, talking to people about it. It's really fascinating to me. And I'm curious to see what happens next. That's for sure. Yeah, same. I'm definitely curious to see how they'll work it out or if they'll work it out or when they'll work it out yeah, <laughs> yeah. How, how this thing is gonna be resolved yeah i mean everybody thinks after the summer is when it'll be resolved like around labor Day is, is generally what people think is gonna happen and then mm-hmm. the question is what do the writers get and and what do the the studios agree to give up and there are a yeah. lot of different sticking points i mean the streaming residuals are a big one writers room sizes are a big one when well, artificial um, intelligence right is a big part ai is another big one yes 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 um ai like 
like the studios won't even discuss. They'll just be like right. their their counter proposal. Like the writers asked for um, a band on use of AI to like write scripts and stuff, and the counter proposal from the studios was like. Uh, uh, we will agree to meet yearly to discuss future technology. <laughs> right, right, and everyone knows so little about how AI is even going to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's, it's that's really a big interesting. one. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. That is it for this week's show. Hope everybody enjoyed Summer Games Fest slash not E three slash E three replacement uh, <laughs> Summer Games Fest, which I mean I think is going to happen. And by the way, I'm doing it again. Summer Games Fest. Summer, Summer Game Summer Fest. They game should just fest. change that. That's my note for next year. They should. It's so clunky. Summer game <laughs> fest. Like, it feels weird to say. You could just um, change it and no one would notice because they would yeah, think that's it's what it's true. called anyway. It's true. Easy. They should just change it to Electronic Entertainment Expo. Mm, that's uh, interesting. Maybe, <laughs> maybe for short. Yeah, that, that's got a ring e- to it. Three. Three E E3 actually. Easier to yeah, say. Yeah. yeah, it's easier to say mm. E three. That has a nice ring to it. Um, <laughs> and in fact maybe they should move from that campus to the LA Convention Center, which yeah, is yeah, a right. ideas. Have some, just some ideas. Just Love some ideas bigger. that you want yeah, for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um okay, cool. Well uh yeah, I will see you both uh not next week because we'll be off next week. We'll mm-hmm. put up something for, for fans, for listeners, and then we will be back in a couple of weeks to talk about more video games. Yeah, see you both in two weeks. See you then. Bye. Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a member at MaximumFun.org join. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.